Mark, did you want to read it or do you want me to read it? Because okay, all right. Um, so this week we are in Sunday school. We're in uh, Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter three. Today we're doing sections three and four. This is regarding God's decrees. Um, section three and four. Uh, I'll just read it. Section three by the decree of God, for the manifestation of His glory. Some men and angels are predestined unto everlasting life, and others foreordained to everlasting death. And then section four, these angels and men thus predestined and foreordained are particularly and unchangeably designed, and their number is so certain and definite that it cannot be either increased or diminished. Um, talking about the the election and a, a couple of things that uh, this these sections of the Confession of Faith mention. Um, one, what might be uh, referred to as uh, double predestination. Um, not not that. God predestines people twice or changes his mind midway, but that there's a, there's a two-pronged predestination. He, he predestines some unto salvation, which is election. You know, he elects them unto salvation, but then there's also predestination to damnation, uh, election for, for hell. Um, and so it's not, so, so that's, that's what is meant when we say double predestination. Uh, not not that God changes his mind midway through. Um, it, it's clearly expressed in Scripture, and, and we'll take a look at some of that. But it's not the idea that uh, some people like to espouse, which is God only predestines unto life, or God only elects unto salvation. Um, L- Lutherans actually believe this. Lutherans only believe in um, predestination unto salvation. Uh, well, how do you end up in hell? Well, you have to resist that there, there ha- you know God doesn't predestine people to to hell, but people go to hell because they they are able to resist somehow resist the the grace of God enough that they end up in hell. Can I for a second? Sure, sure. No, you're not interrupting, Rod. Sure. Sure. So some reformed people will soften things and say, "Well, I don't believe in double predestination, but God passes over people; He elects sure. those that He's going to save and the rest." That's what I was just saying. Predestination. Well, I'm just trying to make it more scriptural. Sure. But uh, it seems like the the uh, Bible goes further and says that. There are people uh, predestined, like the angels are predestined for the uh, 
The, the, the Bible definitely goes further than that. Yeah. The, the Bible definitely goes further than that. And um, basically, if you boil it down, the, 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 I, I, in my opinion, the, the, the hardship, the difficulty that people have regarding predestination unto damnation is, is because we're, we're trying to assert our own virtue and our own morality over God's. And, 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 and when God says something so clearly as so clearly as he does in the Bible about, well, he's the potter, you know, and we're the clay. What right does the clay have to say to the potter? Well, you know, why did you make me this? Um, you know, he, he, he creates some for his glory and he creates some for his glory in terms of letting out his wrath. Um, Right. After I'm talking about what the scripture says, and she says that your interpretation is that the tribe does not do that. Yeah. And we collect each individual. So I introduced the verse that says, there's none that do this God, not even one. What do you do with that? She said, well, God made you at some point in the end of the So they have discretion. They can make money. That's not the, that's not the way God has it. Right, right, right. Um, Yeah, there, there's, you guys touched upon a couple of things, and I'll just try to, you know, uh, I'll try to respond to, to, to some of them <laughs> uh, about the perspicuity of Scripture. Uh, the, the Scripture concerning God's double predestination is actually quite clear. If you just analyze it on the face of the words and the meaning itself, there's no mistake that God says uh, some are predestined unto life and some are predestined unto wrath, all for his glory. And in fact, you know what, let's, let's, let's read it. I was going to read it a little later, but, um, but we can read it now. Um, so this would be Romans 9. Um, let's see, uh, Romans 9, beginning in, uh, verse 19 down to,
Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, no, we can. <laughs> we're uh, we're good. Let me know when you guys are are okay with uh, starting up again. Okay. Um, so Romans nine actually begins uh, with a discussion about election, and, and Paul making the historical using the historical example of uh, Jacob and Esau and how it's not based on what the child does because uh, Jacob was chosen over Esau in the womb. Okay, and then he begins this discussion in, in verse 14. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Meaning, was God unfair to pick Jacob? Certainly not. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. So then it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. For the scripture says to the Pharaoh, For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. Therefore he has mercy on whom he wills, and on whom he and on and whom he wills he hardens. So there Paul is beginning to uh, in talking about election and how it's dependent on God's mercy. He also starts to touch upon that other aspect of election, which is the, the predestination unto damnation. He brings up the example of Pharaoh. Yeah. Moses, he had and Israel, he had mercy on because he wanted to have mercy on them. But then Pharaoh, he hardened because he wanted Pharaoh to be hardened. Yeah, yeah. Um, part of his purpose. Part of his purpose. Wasn't the... Uh, I'm sorry... Go ahead. No, Go ahead, Rod. Well, I just want to say quickly, I've had this, those very verses discussed with my second cousin who's an elder in the church, and my mother does too, and, uh, and with another church, and they will emphasize, well, Pharaoh's heart was hardened, but he hardened his heart, and God responded to that. And they say, what about verse 6? He says, God he chose one point over the other, and they say that has nothing to do with predestination. So what's that to do with? They say that God chose one to bring the people out, and the other one to let go. Yeah, there's nothing. I mean, Rod, I I agree with you. There's if you just look at the words, there's nothing more perspicuous and, and clear than than what it says in verse eighteen. Right. Therefore, he has mercy on whom he wills, and whom he wills he hardens. Right. So his God's will is God's will precedes everything. It's it's the foundation of everything. Okay, he wills, you're saved. He wills, you're hardened, and you, you you're, you're, you're damned. Then, then, then Paul gets even more clear. You will say to me, then why does he still find fault? For who has resisted his will? Okay, which is a very insightful question. But here, you know, we, we do apologetics, and we're supposed to take our cue from Scripture. Here, Paul kind of... Paul puts up a stop sign. He doesn't, you know, this, this objection in verse 19. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who has resisted his will? Meaning, well, if God wills Pharaoh to damnation, then, like, why is Pharaoh still at fault? Like, you know, he, 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 he set me up for failure. God set me up for failure, right? 
which is Chandler used to say that all the time. Doctor Who. who? No, a friend, friend of ours. Oh. Uh, which is a human, you know, humanly speaking, that's a logical question that I think we as humans might ask. Okay, but it's very interesting. Paul doesn't answer that objection. He puts up a stop sign and he says, "Hold on a second. You know, you, you're forgetting your place." Okay, and here's the verse, verse twenty. But indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, Why have you made me like this? Does not the potter have power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor? What if God, wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with such long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had prepared beforehand for glory. So, so even Paul there doesn't go down that rabbit hole of, of answering every human objection. At, at, at this point, he, he throws up a stop sign that says, look, you keep going down this, this, this sort of objection to God's predestination. The issue isn't logical. The issue isn't with your logic. The issue is with your rebellion in your heart. And, you, and you're forgetting the fact that you're the creature and he's the creator. And that's why for us, it's why for a friend of ours from Bible study, he said, we have an American mindset, which is really a human mindset of fairness and equality and justice, because we understand that instead of thinking that the Bible says it's true, which we are all corrupt, we all deserve condemnation, God's mercy is not deserved and it's not owed to us. Which is why Rod... I think this explains why this discussion gets people so worked up. Because it's not just an intellectual, logical, critical thinking disagreement. It gets down to, to, to the base level of their, our rebellion against God. We want to decide what is better. We want to exert our virtues. We think we have better morals than God. And so when God says this, that, you know, that he determines who is saved and who goes to hell, uh, that's an attack. That basically becomes an attack on us uh, and on our rebellion. Um, so, you know, I'll, 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 I'll put up this example. You know, I, I don't, obviously, I don't believe in Islam. Okay, <laughs> no part of it, Islamic teachings or whatever. I disagree with a lot of it, all of it. Um, I don't get upset when I disagree. You know, it's just, it's not true. It's not false. It doesn't bother, you know. You know what I mean? Like, like Muhammad's teachings, <laughs> I don't care. I don't dis you know, I don't agree with any of it. But I don't ever get worked up and... You know, like, I get worked up when they do terror, right? And they act it out. But just the, the theological disagreement with Islam or Hinduism or Buddhism or Judaism or whatever religion you want to throw out there, like, I don't get upset at that, right? But why is it that it's this doctrine of pre, uh, double predestination that people get so worked up about? 
you know, what, what, what is it about the human heart that, that makes us so, uh, so repulsed at, at, at this teaching? Um, Right, right. Yeah, and and it's and I I think at some point we can take a page out of Paul's apologetic because you know he stops, you know people kept he he's anticipating people's objections and so so he he spends quite a lot of time answering these objections. In fact. Uh, if you know the structure of Romans, most of Romans is Paul answering these hypothetical objections to his points about the gospel. But it's at this point that Paul says, stop. I'm, you know, I'm not going to answer this objection. You're forgetting that you're the, cre- cre- uh, the creature and he's the creator. And he has the right to do whatever he wants. Um, yes, yes. Right. Exactly, um, and many other places in in scripture. Um, but um, we kind of got sidetracked there. <laughs> All right. Is there a, is there a difference um, in section three between the fact that they say sure um, yes and some I some men and angels are predestined to yeah death, yeah others are foreordained to everlasting death. Did you choose those words on purpose, or is that kind of what you're doing? No, yeah, no. Uh, in my study, I didn't find anything different in, in, in how they use those words. I mean, I don't know. I don't have an answer to this. Except the Bible uses both words, and they don't seem to be meaning the same thing. If I, you know, in my reading uh, of this, uh, they just they sound pretty much the same. Um, especially if you look at 404, they actually combine the two, thus predestined and foreordained. Um, there are three things that uh, these sections point out, and we'll end with this. Uh, it's not only men, but also angels are uh, predestined, double predestined. Um, just... Read a verse, Matthew 25, verse 41. So this is um, this is Jesus teaching about the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and this is the, the teaching where uh, you know, the sheep and the goats, right? God separates the sheep on one hand, the goats on the other. And then he'll say to the, to the sheep, uh, you know, I was thirsty. I was hungry. You gave me food. I was thirsty. You gave me drink. I was a stranger. You took me in. I was naked. You clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. And, and the righteous say, well, you know, when did we do these things, Lord? Right? Um, Verse 41, then he will also say to those on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed, 
into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So it's not just men who are, you know, predestined. It's also the, the angels, the devil and the angels. Um, okay. So men and angels, that's one point. Um, I remember when that first struck me. I had never thought about the fact that angels were predestined. It was reading this passage and then looking at the whole thing that went on. Yeah. But this time what struck me preparing for today's class was the number six. Right. I never really thought about that much. Yeah. <laughs> Can't be increased or decreased. Not six. <laughs> yes. Thankfully, it wasn't six days or but, but yeah. See, this, this brings up, and I'm going to interrupt you, Benjamin. It's okay. This is the problem that I see. I, I, I don't want to put it that way. I can understand why people who have the problem with this this whole thing, what is the point in praying for someone? What is the point in preaching the gospel? What is the point in going to hearing? I say, well, first, it was God's mandate. Because secondly, uh, we don't know the will of Almighty God, but even Jesus Himself stated that He was in fact twelve days of priesthood in heaven. So what's the point of this thing? Other than to stop doing evil and good. And, and also God ordains the secondary means. So the the way that I got saved was people, a lot of people prayed for me and then people shared with me. Right. So it doesn't mean that God couldn't just zap me and make me saved, but he chooses to use people, people who pray for my salvation, people who will share the gospel. Yeah. And that's always the case. Like a, I, I remember always we had an EE teacher back in the 80s. He was a Southern Baptist, and his uh, simple find of this concept was God's plan will entertain us. And so that kind of struck me. I said, well, that's really true. So you know, in terms of salvation, somebody's praying, somebody's sharing, God sends. Not yeah. sometimes people just read the Bible and how do they get that Bible? Or why do they have the Bible? Or they never read the Word of God and they just absorb the Word of God. Yeah. So I was going to get there. Uh, the the idea of limited atonement, or I, I know this doesn't talk about atonement, but the idea of limited or determined or particularized. Okay, particular, not particularized. Um, so. Like I said, three, three main points from these two sections. One, about men and angels. Both are predestined by God. Second point, about double predestination. Some are uh, predestined unto salvation. Some are predestined unto, uh, unto hell, unto damnation. We, we cover that point. The, the third point was what, uh, Mark, you, just, you, you brought up, that the number is certain and definite. doesn't change, doesn't increase, doesn't decrease. Uh, we see that from a passage like John 13, verse 18, where Jesus says, I do not speak concerning all. This is at the Last Supper. Uh, this is during the Last Supper after Jesus washes his disciples' feet. Okay? Um, I'll go back a couple verses. Most, most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him if you know these things blessed are you if you do them okay so he's instructing his he's washed their feet you know peter's done this thing where he said don't wash my feet but then jesus explains it and he says oh wash my feet and my whole body 
right? And Jesus basically says, look, you, you take this as an example. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. But then Jesus throws this in. I do not speak concerning all of you, meaning there's Judas, right? I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. But the idea that, you know, obviously he's speaking about Judas. But there Jesus also says he knows the ones God has chosen. Meaning there's, there's, a, there's a definite set, definite number of people that, um, that are elect. And Jesus knows who they are. And God knows who they are. Yes. I know whom I have chosen. Yes. Right, right, right. Yes. Right. Um, Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 19 also says uh, a similar thing. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Um, but there, again, uh, the, the reemphasis that the Lord knows, the Lord knows those who are his. Uh, the idea that there is a definite number. I'll end with this. Uh, when I was... Uh, in my college years, uh, I had a hard, I had a, you know, reformed theology. Sometimes people condense it down into a nutshell with tulip, right? Um, I had, I had a lot of trouble with L. I had a lot of trouble with the limited atonement part. And I realized this doesn't talk about atonement, but it does talk about the limitedness of, you know, so that's, it's similar. Okay. Um, I had the most trouble with limited atonement because I had a misunderstanding of what limited atonement meant. Because I thought Christ's work on the cross is so great. Why do you want to limit it? <laughs> That's not what it means. Okay? Limited atonement only means that the, the, the work of God for salvation is only for a limited set of people. A particular and determined, uh, predetermined number of people. It doesn't increase and doesn't decrease. Um, you have to believe in this predetermined number of people. Otherwise, nobody gets saved, okay, if you work it out logically, okay? Well, sure, because if you don't believe in, in particular atonement or limited atonement, then Christ sort of half died for everyone. Mm -hmm. And then, like, you have to do the rest in order to, to make it apply to you. And whatever you do just messes up. So, so in reality, the scripture teaches that Christ died fully for specific people, mm -hmm. and not at all for other people. There's no like halfway salvation. Right. In other words, from this time, the rest will be saved. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard for me that Protestants in general have a problem with human beings for the most part. Uh, 
they certainly don't like that because they claim you can resist taxation. Mm-hmm. And perseverance is a thing for a lot of people to profess if they can profess it. Well, yeah, but even your more biblical people come up with the uh, uh, less biblical substitute of eternal security. I mean, there are people historically, and there are people out there who believe you can lose your salvation, but that's not usually what the mainstream position is. Okay. So, to stress the point, Pastor explained to you, my point is about the scriptural nations where the reformed church must be able to win the right to its defense and argue that he said, I just can't accept the original three. <clears throat> he said, I can understand the rest of it. And he says, when it was someone I had an issue with, he said, especially the resisting of this, he says, you resist God every day You have to understand the context. He's talking about the very first series of series that he did. He said, not resist under the form of damnation if you were going to the life. And he said, well, that's kind of semantics. I said, no. But if you look at the whole thing, and he said, yeah, but the other thing of, of um, human atonement, he said, is that God died for the Jews of God and became their very world. And it goes into everything. And he said, well, I know that argument. I grew up with that argument. That's just sure. not what the Bible says. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's not what they meant. Yeah. Not not limited in terms of diminished or 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 weak sac you know, weak crucifixion and resurrection. Uh no. Or 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 uh or in, in terms of quality, you know, not powerful or not good enough. Um limited in terms of the number of people saved, the number of people that the act was efficacious yeah. for. Well, here, here's the problem I, I would say is that the argument that I hear people bringing up all the time is, of course, that God is not willing that any should perish, but for all to come to salvation. He is patient for those who are, for those who are who repent, basically. And I say, when they look at that and we talk about whosoever will, I bring up, well, whosoever will is defined by none. In, in the Old Testament, and they say, yeah, but you can't get past the fact that says God is patient, not wanting any to perish. And I said, yeah, meaning for the elect, he still has the willing to reform. Yeah. So it's a, it, it's, it's, they call it semantics, and they call it that God is just, but it's also merciful, and it's a scary thing. Well, even though I'm making these takes longer, I think I'm, I'm going to say that the the thing that I try to hold on to is difficult in the, in, the, in the mind is that the free offer of the gospel is real. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, unless God intervenes and regenerates people, they can't respond in faith and repentance. But, mm-hmm. but there is an aspect of God's will, Rod, that he doesn't want anyone to perish. Yeah, he yeah. wants everyone to repent in the same way that God wants everyone not to commit murder. Right. And yet we commit murder in our hearts yeah, I, or in I our speech or we, we, we kill. People don't, uh, you do, but many people don't think, well, that's different. I said, well, is it different? I mean, in what sense does God want the murder not to take place, but in what sense is it part of his decretive will that he allows it 
to happen. So it's the same thing. God, God isn't happy. He said that I don't delight in the death of the wicked, uh, but rather that they turn and live. But but he allows them to do what they want to do, which is to, to sin. Uh, We're also in some sense dealing with the, the mind of God and what, what Paul said. Well, just think of our evil God. That's the yeah. 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 yeah, but that gets back to what I just said, that he's the creator, we're the creatures. So, um, yeah. Anyway, but we can understand the mind of the creator. Plus, only the spirit can write us letters because it's, it's in the sixth day or whatever. Yeah. Um, I'll I'll end with this. Good 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 discussion, guys. And um, I'll end with this. It it basically this this idea of uh, a certain and definite number of people who are saved. It 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 basically boils down to the question of whose will is greater: Jesus's will. Or Jesus's work of salvation, or our will, either to 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 choose Him, or deny Him, or resist Him. Okay, um, I'm I'm trying to put put the thoughts in my head, so so bear with me. Um, basically, boils down to uh, Jesus's death on the cross for for you who believe on Him. Did Jesus save you one hundred percent, or did He leave half a percent? A tenth of a percent for for you to determine whether you end up in heaven or or hell when when Jesus died for you, you who believe in Jesus right when Jesus died for you, was that a hundred percent efficacious to save you? Well, I think anybody well not anybody but like you know a, a good biblical bible believing Christian would say, sure, yeah, when Jesus died on the cross for me, and I believe in Jesus, so I'm speaking as a saved person, I'm speaking as a believer, when Jesus died for me, his sacrifice was 100% efficacious for me. And that is what I rest on. Okay, that is what I rest on. Right? That's my justification, in fact. That none of my righteousness before God that's used for judgment is my own, but completely Jesus's. This completely alien righteousness that was imputed to me. Okay, and on that I rest, and that is my only uh, uh, place of rest. Okay, so I think everybody would say yes. Jesus's work was one hundred percent efficacious. If Jesus's work was one hundred percent efficacious, then the next question is, are there people in hell? Well, certainly, right? If you read Revelations, yes, there are people in hell. So the question then is, well, how did they get there? Right? If Jesus' work was 100% efficacious for you, then it means his work is 100% efficacious for anyone, but some people still end up in hell. Okay? The only, the only way you can work all of that out is by saying, God has to predetermine who is elect unto salvation and who is elect unto unto damnation. It, it, there's no middle ground, right? If you're saying that, you know, if you're saying that God didn't predestine people unto hell, then basically you're, you're implying that Jesus' work is not 100% efficacious for anyone because there's some way for a man to resist 
or to deny deny it or or to 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 do something to Jesus's work to like reject it and he ends up in hell or the salvation then you complete it by by repentance right or or you are saying and this is utterly unbiblical there is no one in hell hell is empty yeah. including satan which is obviously, you know, not the case in Revelation. So, um, yeah. So, uh, so once I understood that, then I had no problem with limited atonement. I, I, I praised it. <laughs> I rested myself in it. Because limited atonement, the fact that there is a definite and certain number means that Christ's work for you as elect, as a believer, was 100% efficacious. It did everything. And you can rest in that. No, no, no. It didn't make it mean anything. The, the, the Israelites, the Israelites that God chose... They went out and they worshipped the, the, the cow. That's right. <laughs> okay, it didn't. It, it, they're no better than Pharaoh. <laughs> Even okay, let, let's talk about Jacob and Esau, right? In Genesis, Jacob is a devious, lying, cheating scoundrel. <laughs> Especially, and Esau is actually. You know, when, when, when Jacob comes crawling back to Esau, right? Esau actually shows a lot of grace in, in welcoming him, him back and, and, and kind of, you know, making peace with him. Esau's the better, bigger man. And Jacob's the, the, the lesser man. And, and, you know. Yeah. So, so no, it has. Yeah, no, it has nothing to do with the quality of people. It, uh, it has everything to do with God's mercy.